0: Recently, the Lord made me to see that every day in our life counts. And that was a major revelation to me. It's been a driving force for everything that I do now. The Lord caused me to see from the scriptures, teach us to number our days. In numbering, it's not just in saying it. It is in understanding the purpose of existence. It is in knowing that we cannot afford to live each day by presumption. I'll say it again. We cannot afford to live each day by what? By presumption. We cannot afford to live each day by presumption. Life is too short to be presumptuous about it. The life of a man is summed up in the cumulative of the use of 24 hours. So what 24 hours are as critical as the plan that we're making for the next 10 years. As a matter of fact, the 10 years is a summation of the 24 hours. So life must be lived. Life must be engaged with a sense of understanding. Otherwise, we will wake up one day and we will look back and say to ourselves, how did I leave? Let's bow down our heads to pray. Father, this is the kingdom this is the house of God, the place of the fear of Jacob. It is called the city of the living God. This is where you reign. This is where your throne is built in the hearts of men. For my house shall no more be built with the hands of men, but rather I will live in the hearts of men. No one shall teach his neighbor, know the Lord. For they shall know me from the least to the greatest. For my law shall be written in the hearts of men. Tonight, it's one of those nights you have prepared to speak to our hearts. We pray tonight that your awesome glory will bring liberation to every soul, not just of those who are seated tonight, but everyone that will hear you in the course of time after tonight. May we understand what you're doing in this season. Open our eyes tonight by the revelation of the Spirit for us to know the mind of God. The Bible tells us that we have the mind of Christ we pray for sound revelation of the Spirit tonight. Thank you. We give you praise tonight because you're faithful. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen. The songwriter that we sang tonight says, Draw me nearer. Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died, draw me to thy precious bleeding side. Old oh, but pure delight of a single hour, that before thy throne I spend, when I kneel in prayer, and with thee, my God. I commune as friend with friend. Tonight, I'm going to share with us, but first of us, take, let us take a reading from the book of Exodus, chapter thirty-three. Can we take a look at the book of script, the, the scriptures in Exodus, chapter thirty-three? I'll take my reading from verse seven. Exodus, chapter thirty-three verse 7 Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting and it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting which was outside the camp so it was Whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at the tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of the cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses, And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped. Each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend. And he will return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Verse 12, the Moses said to the Lord, See, you said to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, Show me now your way, that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that that this nation is your people. And he said, God is speaking, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Verse 15 is where I'm going to stop temporarily. So he said to him, and many of us are holding King James, except thou, is that what it says in King James? If thy presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. If thy presence does not go with us, bring us up. Not from here. But the Lord bless us tonight as we have read his word. Life cannot be lived without the maker of the life. When God made man, God gave part of himself to man. Everything that God made, he made by speaking them forth. God spoke forth the trees. God spoke forth the light. God spoke forth the sea and the things that lie beneath the sea. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when God made man, God did not speak man forth. He molded man and did not end there. God gave part of himself. Man, the Bible says he breathed the breath of life into the man. So, what makes us different from every mama they say, is not just in the look. That's why I pity those who said the man is uh, a product of Homo sapien erectus. I wish them all the best but I came from God. I don't know where you came from, but I came from the living God. My reigns came from him. I look exactly like he looks. I'm the exact replica of the living God who made the heavens and the earth. I am no hips, I'm no Homo sapien. I am the very image of God. The Bible says I was made in the likeness of God. The book of Psalm 139 tells me I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how I was made. Not spoken for, made in the very image of God. I have no struggle with that because I have a witness in my spirit that I'm exactly like my father. I don't know how many of us look like our father. I look like my father. Hallelujah. If you don't look like him, we have to find out where you came from. But the scripture tells us he has made us in his own image. And after his likeness. I will have time to speak about those two sentences. They are deep. Because to be made in the image speaks of the structure. And speaks of the physique of the man. But to be made after his likeness means I will like what he likes. Hallelujah. My mind is exactly like he is mine. No wonder the scripture tells us in First John chapter 4. The Bible says as he is, so are we in this world. Oh, what a scripture. As he is, so are we in this world. Tonight, I want us to examine God's word. The title of tonight's message is Except You Go With Us. Accept You Go With Us. Accept you, you Go With Us. It is important to know the man was made as a being of relationship. When man was made, man was not left alone. God made man to be independent. But he also made him to be interdependent on himself. No man will ever find fulfillment by living by himself alone. That is why the world, if they do not know him, will never find peace. You know why? The only fulfillment that any man can find can only be when you are reconnected to the creator. Because through him, you can find true joy and through life. And when God made man, he left something in man. He left himself in man. And tonight, in the moment before I come to the book of Exodus, I want us to examine in our mind. I may not have time for us to read together. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, something happened to these people. And that's exactly the only scripture I want us to read tonight. There were three things the scriptures put together in few verses that I want us to take a look at tonight and examine closely. Genesis. I want us to examine the scriptures tonight. And I want us to see what does the scripture say when man fell from his original place of glory and original place of love that God has given to him. I want us to take a look at the book of Genesis chapter two, 3 and I'm going to read in a few moments. The Bible declares in verse 9. I don't want to go to the old process. Maybe I should read from verse 8. This is after the fall. The Bible says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And he them and his wife heed themselves. I wanted to observe them. When Adam and Eve fell, the first thing they did was to do what? Was to hide. There was a loss of confidence. There was a loss of audacity. Man was made with the audacity to relate with his maker. Immediately man fell, he lost the audacity, he lost the confidence to relate with his God. I'm going to read it further. The scripture says, And hid themselves from the presence, ever was a presence, of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Hoping that the tree was going to provide the protection from the God who made everything, who sees all things. The scripture tells me in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. All things are open and naked to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. What a, what a God we serve. The Bible says they hid themselves behind the tree. God pretended he did not see them. Verse 9, and the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Hallelujah. Where are you? This sounds to me like a father in the house. I don't know how you see these scriptures tonight. God did not sound like the God we were told he is. He sounded like a father who was in the living room with his kids. And he was wondering when they were playing and seek game. He said, where are you? And wondering where they were. He knew exactly where <laughs> they were. And he said, hey them, where are you? Because the scripture says, they hid themselves from the presence of God. This is what the scripture says. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden was afraid. Please write that second sentence down. A phrase. I was afraid. The first one, I hid myself. Secondly, I was afraid. Why? When I heard your voice in the midst of the garden, I was afraid. May I say this tonight? I believe that the first indication of relationship is fellowship. The proof that we have a relationship is that we have what? Fellowship. Fellowship is from the root word koinonia. Koinonia means meeting face to face. Now hear them. Because of what happened to them, Heard themselves, the Bible says, and said to the Lord, I was afraid. That was the beginning of fear in the human generation. Man never knew fear. Man saw lion and named lion. Man saw dreadful animals and spoke over dreadful animals. Man was never afraid of anything. Why? Because there was a grace that was delivered to man when it was made. God made him to have dominion over the face of the earth. Over the things, the birds, the flare, Over the things that walk upon the earth. Over the creeping things. God gave man the authority. He gave him the, the dominion of everything he's made. Man was never known. had never known fear. But for the first time, because of disobedience, man knew fear. Fear became introduced to man. If you're afraid tonight it's not because it was common. It was from the whole nature. It isn't part of the original nature, the original intent of God for man to be afraid. We were not made like that. We were made to be strong-hearted. We were made to be bold. We were made to be confident in the living God. But the Bible says I was afraid. That's not the end of it. I'm going to read more. Please follow with me. Verse 11. I'm reading verse 10. I haven't finished. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked. Everybody write the word, I was naked. I want those to write another phrase. I was naked. I wouldn't have paid much attention to that. But for what God said thereafter. And he said in verse 11. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? The Bible says, who told you that you were naked? One of the critical manifestations of the departure of man from the original purpose that God has planned for him was that man lost his covering. My last word is covering. It wasn't that Adam had some special clothing before, but when man disobeyed God, a sense of insecurity became introduced. Shame entered into the generation of man. All of the evil we can imagine today became introduced to man for one reason. They sinned, and that's not the real issue. They hid themselves from the presence of God. Tonight, I want us to understand, as the body of Christ and as the people of God, that there is something that we can glean from this experience. Let's not just read. Let's understand when the presence of God It's available and it's made evident in a man's life that are certain things that don't happen in that man's life. When God is in a fellowship with man, when God is in a relationship with man, when God is in a romance with man, man becomes an embodiment of his father. I want us to know that today that when we begin to relate with God in the true house, you know, in a true way of fellowship, something about us will change. The original diversity of God will return. The power of fear will be broken. The hold of shame over our lives will be destroyed. The intent to please men will be destroyed. Our holy God will be only to please him who has died and rose again. Man lost covering. The only place of restoration for man's covering would be the same place where it was lost. How many of us know that when you lose something, the only place you can recover is when you go back to the same place? Now the very thing that man lost was the divine presence of God. Why was Adam naked? Not because of Jojo Fellini shirts and um, uh, what do we call it? All the the fashion designing suits that he wore. No! He lost something invisible to man. He lost the glory of God, he lost the presence of God. Tonight, as believers, one of the key things that the Lord wants us to know is the power of his presence. That is why I asked us to read from Exodus chapter 33. Except you go with us. Except you go with us. I want us to listen to this tonight. This is my belief. I'm coming back to the book of Exodus chapter 33. How many of us read Moses' request when we're reading verse 15 together? Exodus chapter 33. Just because I'm going to teach, I want to go back to it. I'm reading verse 15 of that same chapter of the Bible. In verse 15 it says, Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. What a man. I want us to journey with me in this story. It is my belief that Moses' request was not just a response to the fear of absence. I'm going to explain myself. How many of us remember that Israel had left Egypt? They were pursued by the enemy. And don't forget that Israel had had very horrible experience. Very, very horrible experience. Very discouraging experience. They were at the point of hopelessness. God made a way in the middle of the Red sea. And God began to lead his people in the wilderness. When they got to this point, Moses said, we will not go from here except to go with us. I believe this sentence was not because Moses was afraid of the enemy. No. I believe that Moses' request was beyond that. How many of us know that Moses was the first Israel at this time to understand the power of divine presence? I'll tell us why. Moses a couple of times or a couple of weeks or months before now was in the house of his father-in-law. He was tending the sheep of his father-in-law. And it was by the side of the wilderness. And then he turned. And then he saw the bush that was burning with fire. And he moved closer to look at what was going on. And Moses observed that the bush was burning, but the bush was not consumed. And there was a voice that came out of the fire to Moses, saying to Moses, Moses, Moses. The ground on which you stand is a holy ground. Take off your sandals. In trembling and in fear, he knelt before the Lord and worshipped. And God spoke to him. So Moses knew, not in terms of fear of the enemy, but in the place where his first attraction was. Don't forget that before now 40 years, Moses had been in the wilderness. He had no relationship with Egypt anymore. His life and his word was cut out for him. He was to live and die with his father-in-law and with the sheep. But one day, there was a divine encounter. And Moses knew that was the end of his sojourn in the wilderness. Moses knew it was the introduction of a better future for Moses. It was the beginning of a relationship with an invisible God. Moses from that day never ceased to hear the voice of God in his two ears. Before now, Moses never knew the God of Israel face to face. And Moses said, I have known too much. What I've known now Please don't go, we will not go from here. Except you go with us because I know what happened to me when I saw you face to face. Moses was driven back to Egypt. Moses saw the hand of God. Moses saw the rod that was an ordinary rod of a shepherd boy. That God used to bring a serpent to confound the works of the various astrologers. Moses saw the power that God placed upon the rod as they got to the Red Sea. And there was no way. There was hill on the right and on the hill on the left. And Moses looked backward. The, 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 the army of Egypt was coming and he looked at the Red Sea and God said, stretch for the rod," And the rod was used to part the Red Sea. Moses knew what it means to have the presence of God. Lord Jesus help us tonight. That from tonight we will cease to by ourselves. That all our approach to life will change. That our focus in life will change. That we will not do anything outside of you. We will not go from here. Except you go with us. This is my conclusion. Moses knew that the presence of God was everything. Moses knew that living was impossible without his presence. I'll say it again. Moses knew that living was what with it was impossible without him. Let's look at the book of Psalm 16. Thank you, Lord Jesus tonight. Psalm 16. Verse 11. Many of us are familiar with that scripture, but I want us to read tonight. I want us to pay attention to God's word tonight and see what the Lord has got to say to us as his people. 16 verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. This is the a quote of David. How many of us know that David understood what it means to enjoy the divine presence of God? David said, thou wilt show me the path of life. What we seek as men, maybe not necessarily what we think we're seeking. What is most critical in a man's life is understanding the divine direction of God. What does God want me to do? David said, you will show me the path of life in your presence. That tells me something to that, that it is... Difficult and it is impossible to know the way to go without the divine presence of God. It is in his presence that our eyes are open. It is in his presence that our ears are tuned. It is in his presence that we can see beyond the now to see into the mind of God for tomorrow. The Lord said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 13, as soon as Lot was separated from Abraham, the Bible said, look up from where you stand, to the east, to the west, as far as you can see, that I will give unto you. God's presence. He knew clearly God's divine direction. Psalm 25 verse 12, the Bible says, "Him will fear you, you would teach to choose what is best. I read it from the book of uh, Living Bible, paraphrase. When we get back home, we can write that scripture down. Psalm 25, verse 12. Psalm 25, verse 12. In the King James Version, this is what it says It says, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. Do we see that? Who is he who fears the Lord? A man who pays attention to God's counsel. A man who spends time in his presence. The Bible says it will teach him to choose the best. Check living Bible. when you got In other words, there are choices in life. that is a way that man's mind works. That's why a man's ways sometimes may not be the best of ways. Except the Lord guides and instructs us many of our choices will be wrong. You know why? Because we are finite and we are conditioned to the now. It is when the, the mind of God is revealed to us that we make the right choices. And many of us that are seated today, we are still going to make choices in our lives. The best way to make choices is to find the place of fellowship in his presence. David said, thou will show me the path of life. I love the word show. It means to uncover. It's from the word Apocalypse. It means to remove the covering. In other words, you will cause me to see what others don't see. When I'm in your presence. No wonder in Genesis chapter 18, I think verse 19. The Bible says God was speaking to Abraham. Will I do anything without first showing it and revealing it to my servant Abraham. My friend Abraham. Presence of God. That's a man who had cultivated God's presence. Who knew the power of God's presence. And God wants to reveal his mind to us. Isaiah 42, the Bible says, that would teach him, you know, the Bible was talking about the direction of God. The Bible says, it is the Lord who teaches us to profit and lead us in the way we shall go. He teaches us to do what? To profit and in the way we shall go. Divine direction. If God divinely directs us, there are things in our lives that will be in shape. There are things in our lives that will find their proper cause when God begins to direct us. That will show me the path of life. The Bible went further in that same book. It says in verse eleven, "In your presence is fullness of joy." I kind of like that. Hallelujah! I think I like that, and like to talk about it a little bit. Joy is not a function of Happiness around us. We all understand that? Joy is a function of knowledge. I believe happenings are temporal. Because they do come to pass. But joy is dependent on the knowledge of God. I've shared this testimony before and we may have heard it before. Of a man who was in a church and everybody was sharing testimony who rose up and said, you know, the pastor came and asked everybody to give testimonies of how the Lord had blessed them. And everybody came up with Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And everybody spoke of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He to me to down and green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. You know, and everybody began to speak scriptures that have blessed them. But they spoke scriptures that were actually based on the happenings in their lives. And brethren kept standing up and kept giving testimonies based on the scriptures of the Lord that used to bless them. There goes an old man at the back of the church who said, I also got a testimony. And everybody said, what has he got to say? He's an old man. He's near his grave. What is he looking for? And the man stood up and said, I got a testimony too. I believe that in my life, I've lived long enough to know that whatever comes in my life will surely come to pass. It came to pass. That's the scripture that he shared. That what I've got to share with you is almost every page of the Bible. It came to pass. Because they happiness. But joy is based on knowledge. That's what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. With joy shall we draw water out of the well of salvation. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy is a product of the God that we know cannot do evil. Of the God we know walks in the light and darkness does not dwell with him. And it's a knowledge of the God we know that he seeks the best for those whom he loves. The Bible tells us 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 eyes have not seen, he has not heard, neither has he entered into the heart of man. What the Lord has prepared for them that love him. For God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yet yeah, the, the deep things of God. David one day was speaking to the men who were around him. He said, the Lord is good, and it doeth good. I like that. He said, I did not understand, but the Lord is good, and it doeth good. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 1. Every good gift and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of light. In whom there is no variableness, neither the shadow of turning. David says, I've been younger. Now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. Psalm 34. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered them from them all. I know that. That's knowledge. David, while they were coming, bringing the hack of the covenant of God back, David started to rejoice and was rolling on the floor and was giving glory to God. And everybody was wondering, this is the king with the linen effort, the, the, the cloth of a priest. David was rolling. He did not care. Why? The joy of the Lord. He knew why he was rejoicing. He was rejoicing because the very presence of God that had been lost for years was returning to Israel. David's joy is no no bound. Because he had understanding. Of the power of God's presence. In the midst of his people. I'm going to get there. Let me just run through this. Hallelujah. I want everybody to be determined tonight. I leave no place. I do nothing after now. Except your presence goes with me. If you say no, I accept your no as no father. If you say yes, I know it is yes. Your word is my bound. Your word is my command. I go by the direction that you give to me. Because I know that you declare the end from the very beginning. I know that you know better than I am. I know that you are all sin God who has seen the future that I cannot see. You are the all sin God who know what I do not know. Therefore, if your presence does not go with me, I go no further. That's the kind of life God wants us to live as believers. There are things that are not common to the hearts of men. They are strange to men. They are miseries to man, mysteries to men. Mysteries to men. But God says, "These are my people. I have revealed my counsel and my purpose to you. I will direct you, and I will lead you in the way you will go. I will not leave henceforth, except I hear from you." Oh my God. Psalm sixteen. I I'm not done yet from that passage. It says, and at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God wants to make you comfortable. <laughs> in the book of Job, the Bible says, if they love him and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Now, God is not against pleasure. I'm not talking about ungodly pleasure. I'm not talking about ungodly hoggies. Those who did it in the past died for it. Those who did it and they walk in the flesh, they paid their price. Remember the man called Bethashaza? When God spoke to his father, it sat with Nebuchadnezzar. God won Nebuchadnezzar. His heart was lifted up with pride in him. He thought that the kingdom was built by his power and by his authority. And God showed him that I am the God who rules and reigns in the kingdoms and their fears of men. God led him into the, into the wilderness for several years. He dined and, and wine with the animals in the bush. When he came back, he said, The Lord God, he is the Lord. Everyone must bow to worship him. Why didn't you know that before? His son never learned the lesson. He came back, the son called Betosazer. The Bible tells us he was wallowing in hoggies. All sorts of immoral things were going on. God sent repeated messages and warned him. Read. Did you read through history? I am the only God. He did not listen. He was caught up in the pleasure and the wealth of the palace. One day in the afternoon, broad daylight, there was a hand that came out. There was no body, but there was a hand. God is a great God. God is a great God. A hand showed up and began to write on the wall. And the king was taken aback and said we haven't seen this one before. We know that armies can come into a city to attack a city but for a hand to show up, a hand and began to write and the man said -uh. what is it? And the Bible says the hand wrote take care, take care of a sin. The kingdom has been weighed in the balance and you have been found wanting. That day the man was deceased. Because the living God is the only one who can hold that pleasure. God will grant you pleasure in your life in the name of Jesus. But in our pleasure, we will serve him. In our pleasure, we will love him. In our pleasure, we we will be surrendered and submitted to him. We will not receive pleasure to add things to ourselves, but rather to expand the glory of the kingdom of God. We know the reason why God wants to prosper us. When God prospers us, the money is not ours, is his. As a matter of fact, he who owns the slaves owns everything. He's our master. He owns my pocket. He owns my life. He owns my home. He owns everything. That's why he is Lord. To be a Lord. It's to be a Lord indeed. As believers, if we recognize Him as Lord, and if we understand the place of pleasure, God will provide pleasure at His right hand, from whom our blessings flow. May the Lord bless us. May the Lord release and re- and, and, and releases power and glory and blessing upon us as a people. I'm going to quickly go to a section. I said certain representation on the scriptures of divine presence of God. There are certain representations in the Bible. I'm just going to run through this. The Bible tells us when we're reading the book of Exodus, we understand that God came down on Mount Sinai with cloud. The Bible said God spoke to Moses and told the people to prepare themselves in three days. Let them clean up and come to Mount Sinai to meet with him. The very first sign of God's manifestation was the cloud. The cloud gathered upon the Mount Sinai. There was thunder, there was lightning, so much so the people said, Moses, we understand that we want to see God. We told you. But what, is, what we are beginning to see now may not be what we are looking for. You can go ahead, we will wait here. When you finish talking to him, we will listen to you. Come over and tell us, that is how fearful our God is. But you know what? He manifests himself in a cloud. It came down in the cloud. That, that's one of the manifestations. Another manifestation is a fire. We saw that there was fire in the days that God called Moses. And also when Israel left Egypt. This is an amazing truth. God did not abandon Israel in the wilderness. He did not. God took care of his people every inch of the way. How many of us know that when they needed water, he provided? When they needed food, he provided When they needed food, he gave them quails. Of course, they were always complaining, like many of us today. They were never satisfied with what God gave to them. But in every situation, he never abandoned his people. It was obvious to me, God's presence was evident amidst his people. Do we remember the pillar of cloud by the day? And the pillar of fire by night. That's a critical manifestation of the presence of God. When the people were traveling during the day, if you are familiar with the wilderness, you know during the day, there was the scorching of the sun. The people could die of, of, um, um, of dehydration. And God provided a pillar of cloud. Even though it was during the day, in maybe 140 degrees of the desert sun, God provided a pillar of cloud. God is an awesome God. At night, for many of us who are familiar with the desert, you know that during the day, it's very hot. And during it at night, it becomes very cold. And God provided for them the pillar of fire. What a God we saw. He knows what you need before you came here. Everything that is needed will be provided as long as we understand the place of his presence. We must cultivate this attitude. And know that in God's presence, everything that I need is available. He was with his people. And he spoke to Moses. When he was speaking, he said, "I led them like an eagle on my eagle's wings." Oh, God of oh graciousness! You know what God did that was amazing because of His presence. How many of us have read it before? The people were in the wilderness. Their clothes were never old. Their shoes were growing with them. I don't know what that happened. It was a miracle that the human mind cannot comprehend. The people were in the wilderness for forty years. Their shoes were not worn out. You know what it means to wear one pair of shoes for 40, 40 years? Huh? 40 years, one pair of shoes. And those shoes, because they had no cobbler or shoemaker in the wilderness, they did not go bad. God preserved the shoes. Preserved the clothes they were wearing. What an incredible God we serve. How many of us noticed that a child that was one year old by the time they will be getting to the land they were going, would be 40 years old and was still wearing the same clothes? how did that happen 40 years in the wilderness he took care of them today church let's not seek those things they are seeking let's seek his presence in his presence what you think is impossible will be possible in his presence everything that we cannot comprehend in our human mind will be made available We have not seen anything yet. In our days, if we can learn to spend time in God's presence, there will be supernatural manifestation. I don't know what you think in your mind of a God who can sustain millions of people for 40 years. He is an incredible God. They are no factories, they are no place where they made food. They are not He supplied every need they needed. And he told them, Don't eat food in two days. He gave them fresh food. Oh, what a God! <laughs> he said, If you keep the food because of the fear, the people said, We'll, we'll keep a little tea tomorrow. He said, Don't keep it. I will supply every day for you, except on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, I will allow that food to be sustain. What a God. The same food that will not sustain two days. On Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday. That food will be sustained Saturday. You know why? He said you have walked too much. Rest a little bit. I will provide for you. Some of us are retired. We're thinking, how am I going to do it? God said, I provided for you when you were walking. But now I will take over. Because you could walk for yourself. Now you cannot walk. But I will give you a food for two days. God of mercy. His presence. Let's read a few scriptures tonight. I don't know what to say. I just hope the Lord. Ah, symbols. Do you know what I noticed? When God began to deal with Joshua, God did not manifest himself to Joshua like he did to Moses because he spoke to him. In Joshua chapter 1, the Bible says, From this day, Moses, my servant, is dead. But I will not leave you. Be strong and be courageous. But you know what God began to do to him? Because he's a unique God. He began to give him the word of assurance. That was the word of assurance. That's another way. Each time Joshua heard the voice of God, his heart was quickened. And he knew that God was with him. When his heart began to shake, when the first eye, the Bible said the Lord sent the captain of the Lord's host. The Lord himself came and said, I'm here. This battle is not yours, it is mine. Joshua said, are you for us or for our enemy? Uh -uh. I'm not here to negotiate with you. I'm here to take over this battle. It was a matter of time. The battle was won. The mere appearance of the captain of the Lord's host was the victory that was waiting to happen. Many of us, God has spoken and given us his word. You know what? It is a victory waiting to happen. I don't know what God has said to you. It's a victory waiting to happen. I don't know the word of God that you have received. There's the secret places. It's a victory waiting to happen. I don't care what time it is. The time that I know that it is a time for God to fulfill his counsel in my life. It is time for God to be glorified in my situation. What a great God we serve. When we get back home, let's read the scriptures about God's presence. Isaiah chapter 64. That's really when we get home. Psalm 114. That's really when we get back home. Let me go further tonight. In Number three. Another symbol of God's representation in the scripture was the hack of the covenant. I spoke a little bit about it tonight. The hack... In my definition, is the visible representation of the invisible God. As long as the hack was in the midst of his people, let me say this to us there was no battle they did not win. No battle. You know what I noticed tonight? I don't want to know the enemy that is pursuing, I want to know the God who is with me. You know, many times we're told, let's, let's deal with all the enemies. Leave the enemies alone. You know what you want to find out? Who is the God that is with you? Let me bring our minds back to Elisha. Elisha stood up one day, the Gehazi, came to Elisha and said, Oh, my master, we're done. We're finished. The armies of the enemies of gathered around us. The host of the enemies. They were numberless. They were many. We're done, myself. <laughs> Elisha said, oh, What a young man. Lord, open his eyes that he may see the day that are with us and more than them that are against us. I want to say a word to you tonight. Those that are against you are not as many as those that are with you. God has surrounded with the host of heaven that are far beyond those who are against us. Why do we worry about enemies so much? I taught this in the Bible study on Tuesday. Every meeting we have as believers, I don't know who's going to listen to this, but hear this clearly. Every meeting, in one meeting, we will bind devils for 10 times. Church, let's change. Let's bring down the presence of the Holy God. There is no devil in hell that can stand in the same house with the God who made the heavens and the earth. Do you remember the Ark of the covenant in the house of Dagon? When the Philistine took the Ark of the Covenant, who was just a symbol? It was just a symbol. God was not Ark. God is a living God. But God put his power upon the Ark. And the Philistine took it and said, we've got the power of the Israelite. We defeated them. They took it to the house of their God and said, Dagon took care of this one. They came the following day, Dagon was face down. They said, ah, somebody came in the middle of the and deal with Dagon. We're going to put it up. They put Dagon up. They could have taken Dagon out. They put Dagon up, but the following day they came back, Dagon was broken into pieces, hands and feet. They said, ah, there is something in this place. That, is, that was an ark, which was just out of the temple. It's been taken out of the Holy of Holies. That was an ark. How much more that the God of heaven and earth lives inside me. The Bible's in him, we live in him, we move in him, we have our being. The Bible has given us enough assurance in his word to let us know that when the presence of God dwells with his people, no power in hell can withstand him. The days when the temple of Solomon was built, and the ark of the covenant was in the temple, there was no enemy that could attack Israel, because the glory, the Shekinah glory of the God of heaven was in Israel. Nebuchadnezzar and all of them could not move towards the temple. They could not, because the glory, the glory cloud was covering the land. How many believers are running everywhere? The enemy is pursuing me. You better go and sit down and learn the ways of your God. Let's not run, at us, get scatter from the enemy. Let's stand strong. The Bible says, "Having therefore to stand." Let's stand therefore, stand, stand on the stand of place of God's presence. How can darkness and light dwell together? How can the works of evil and the God of light dwell together? Maybe I need to remind us in Daniel chapter 2. The Bible says, He knows what is the darkness, but light dwells with him. That's the God we serve. He knows what they do in the dark. He knows he's aware. For us to know that it's he, not that he's not aware, but light dwells with him. Let's rise up to pray tonight. Yeah. God's presence. Ah, God's presence. Hallelujah. I don't know how many of us know this song in your presence. In your presence. I am content. I'm content. In your presence, I'm content, church. I am content. In your presence, there is love. Expressions of your love. Revelation. Revelations of your power of my oh your presence I can bring love for suffering love suffering I'm in the presence of my King in your presence in your presence I am content I am content in your presence. In your presence I am content. I am content. Oh, in your presence I Oh, revelations of your love Revelation. Revelations of your paramount praises I can bring a love song offering I'm in the praises to pray tonight. Let me say this to us clearly tonight. I want everyone in this place to go back home tonight and and just think about your relationship with God. I want us to go back home and think about how much of his presence do you have around you. Everyone you see in this world, there is a presence around them. It's either a divine presence or a demonic presence. What presence do you have around your life? I want us to pray tonight. And say, Lord, I I repent of taking you for granted many times in my life. As believers, if we live in sin, the presence of God will depart. If we live in sin, the presence of God will depart. We will lose the joy of our salvation. We will lose the blessedness of our fellowship with him. I want us to pray tonight and say, Lord, I repent, oh God, of many times that I took you for granted. I feared men more than you. I did not treasure your presence. Many times I did not know what was going on in my life. I did things without knowing that you saw me. Lord, tonight I repent, oh God. I ask you to touch my heart tonight and to cleanse me. Cleanse me tonight, oh God, by your spirit. Purify my heart tonight, oh God. Yes, Lord Jesus, purify my heart tonight. Purify my heart tonight, oh God. Purify my heart tonight and cleanse me. Purify my heart tonight and cleanse me. In Jesus' precious name we we'll pray. The last prayer tonight, do we know as believers, if we know God's presence is around us, there are words you would never say. There are words that would never proceed out of your mouth. Words that would never proceed out of your mouth. If we live in the true fear of his presence, there are places we will never go. Are you listening? If we understand that everywhere we go, we carry the divine presence of God. One day, we're going to pray this last prayer, but let me share this testimony with us. Ray and Bunke, many of us know this man of God, walked into a storehouse to buy something from a lady that was selling in the store. And the lady looked at him. The man was wearing the face and looked at him again and said, I saw Jesus in your eyes. God wants us to carry his presence everywhere we go. Why do we want to live ordinary lives? In our offices, people know if you carry the presence of God. They know. I mentioned it here. They may not like your God, but the day they are in trouble, they will look for you. I'm telling you. They'll look for you. They'll ask you questions. Do we understand this? Let's go back home tonight and cultivate. And you know what? God's presence needs to be cultivated. As you go out of there, Lord, I thank you because you're with me. I thank you because I know you're in this car. I know I'm not alone. That will prevent you from unnecessary sin. It will help you as you speak to people in evangelism. You know God is speaking through you because the very presence of God is around you. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for restoring our heart. That redemption is not just that we're escaping to heaven. You want us to know that you want to live with us here. Now, as we go back into our home, our homes have become God's gossip where the peace of God reigns, where the love of God reigns, where the hand of God is made manifest tonight as we are proceeding out of this place Lord everyone let us have a sense of your presence around us let tonight be the last night we will ever experience emptiness in our lives fill our hearts with your joy fill our lives with your peace fill us with your confidence and the audacity with which we were born into the kingdom may we never remain the same again tonight thank you Lord In Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands together for the Lord Jesus and just bless his name.